and welcome to the Student Sparks podcast, where naturopathy meets neuroscience. I'm Parker Malev, the naturopath. And I'm Emma Johnson, the neuroscientist. Join us on this adventure as we delve into the depths of nutrition, nature, medicine, and the mind, where every insight sparks discussion and debate. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of our show. Today, we're going into a little bit about New Year's resolutions and some good and some not so great ideas. A lot of people will start resolutions and then they'll end up dying out after only a few weeks. So Parker and I have done a little bit of research into the best types of goals for you guys to create that are a lot more sustainable than some of the stuff that's online nowadays. Yeah, you can't you can't assume anymore that resolutions are a good thing because if they just disappear after a few weeks, then what's the what's the point? What's the value? So today to help you guys out, we have our list, our top five do's and don'ts for making and maintaining New Year's resolutions. We're gonna start off with two tips for nutrition, two tips for exercise, and then a bonus tip about diets. Tip number one. Don't overcomplicate the plan. Instead, do make small changes one at a time and add things as the other changes become more manageable. Now, this is for smaller cases like dieting or exercise, things that change your life still in dramatic ways. But, you know, when it comes to things like damaging habits, drug use, smoking, or excessive alcohol consumption, it's kind of been found that cold turkey it's about 10% more successful than gradual weaning over a four-week period. There's some, uh, there's a lot of information on that uh, from Harvard and some different journals, so we'll have that linked below. And we do want to point out that cold turkey for diet and exercise can be fine for some people, but for others, it can contribute to a lot more stress and anxiety. So make sure that you're listening to your body and making those decisions on how you're going to change your diet and lifestyle based on your personal goals and what you know you can achieve. Right. So our information here that we're giving here is based on whoever they studied in the case and the case studies or trials. So just because a study shows it doesn't mean it will apply to you directly. But this we are trying to cover the most applicable information. So the first little bit of subset information under tip one is that switches are almost always better than elimination. When you switch something out for something that you typically enjoy, it doesn't leave a huge gap that causes cravings and the feelings of deprivation that can lead to stress. And if anything can be made the most clear is that stress is only good in survival situations, not when you're eating or exercising in a moderate sense. Um, So for example, I used to love kombucha and I still do. And I love teas, black, green, white, all kinds, herbal teas, everything. Um, But I had to stop drinking them for two reasons. I learned that I was allergic to black and green tea. And I also had a stomach bacteria dysbiosis, like overgrowth of stomach bacteria. I was doing a lot of probiotics all at once. Do not recommend. I lost my morning teas and my evening kombucha all at once, which was something I really loved. What was worse was that I couldn't even turn to coffee as like a nice soothing drink alternative um, because I was allergic to that. 
But instead of letting that frustrate me, I found some alternatives that still gave me the feeling of a warm, caffeinated drink in the morning without sacrificing my health. I, you know, it won't ever be exactly the same. You know, it's hard to replace coffee, specifically. Coffee's a, excuse me, coffee is a huge thing in a lot of people's lives. So that one's difficult. But for me, specifically with my teas and my kombucha and stuff, it won't ever be the same. But switching it out for something similar filled the gap to the point where I don't feel like I need to go back to it. And that's really, really done a great amount of good for my digestive health. I'm not a big fan of coffee, but I did get really addicted to caffeine from like energy drinks. But then I realized that caffeine was something that I didn't want to be drinking anymore. Um, but I still get cravings all the time. I tried to just completely get rid of energy drinks one day because I thought that cold turkey would be the best thing. But instead of making me feel better, it led to like severe migraines and more stomach issues than caffeine in general was giving me. One thing that really helped me was starting with like slowly taking down the amount of energy drinks that I was drinking. So like halving the amount of energy drink and replacing it with some sort of juice in a smoothie and then decreasing it over a few weeks until I didn't need it anymore. Obviously, this works better for something like a V8 energy drink instead of Monster or uh, Prime or whatever you <laughs> Can use. Can you imagine but... <laughs> putting Monster in a smoothie? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just like lowering it slowly and replacing it with something like juice where you still get that taste, um, especially in a smoothie. You don't even really realize that it's slowly going away. Yes, you get you still get the kick, but your body can get used to the slow absence of it instead of I mean cold turkey not only in diet and caffeine related areas not only does it shock your system pretty badly is why you get caffeine headaches when you don't have your cup of coffee in the morning but psychologically it's just like I said it feels like something's missing it's a whole mm -hmm. part of your routine that changed you physiologically in every morning you know so it, it's that's something you don't want to add more stress to your life with is just slowly get rid of it. And then you don't have to worry about it anymore after that. So this kind of this idea of gradual change can be applied to anything in health. If you decide you need to exercise in order to improve your health condition, find something that you enjoy and start doing it in small increments instead of just getting up and going to the gym and spending two hours there pumping out irons that you've never touched before. For example, I found out that I can't really keep hardcore weightlifting or running because of some neurological hormonal issues. And that's the last thing I wanted to hear at the time because, you know, I kind of had lost my goals and my heart was really set on a certain outcome. So the switch wasn't ideal at all. However, I like stretching and I like yoga. So I started doing that instead for only about 10 minutes a day at a beginner level. And now I'm more consistent. I find that it's relaxing and actually pretty grounding. Like I, I feel more settled and less exhausted afterwards. Um, so this, you know, if somebody's, if you're already weightlifting and you enjoy the weightlifting, but you feel really tired afterwards, Emma suggested this to me before of like adding some yoga at the end of it to wind yourself down. Just these small things that you can add on to your exercises or small things that you can do to start exercising that are much better than burning yourself out in the first week during January. And from like 
a research standpoint, one of the first small steps that you can do is just learning about nutrition, learning about exercise and how it affects your body. There was a study, it's called the Small Changes Healthy Habits Program, and they found that just teaching the participants about different types of salts and fats and how they affected the body, how to read food labels, how to do basic meal prepping, how to cook, helped to increase their nutritional fluency and then therefore caused them to cook and eat healthier foods because they knew what was going in their body. So all they had to do was just take that first small step to understand nutrition in order to really start applying that nutrition to their food. And that that larger step of applying it to their food happened almost unconsciously because while they were at the store, they would just check the, the food labels and be like, you know what, I'm just going to make one small switch to something else because they just had that knowledge. Oh, yeah. It comes back full circle to the, the switches idea. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you add in, you know, if you want to reduce your refined sugar intake, you can switch to a product with less sugar or you can remove one item at a time. You know, this is this is subjective, of course. But like if you for myself, if I wanted to stop eating as much bread because I pound down bread like nobody's business. Um, if I wanted to do that, I can switch to a better option like sourdough or even like tortilla like hand hand making stuff even that will make it less frequent that I'm doing it because I'm lazy and I don't want to make bread every single day you know it's mm -hmm. that's again that's super subjective to me but taking out yeah. that one thing one at a time instead of just saying oh I don't want sugar anymore I'm going to completely stop sugar that might be good for some people but I think if you're already pounding things every single day your body's going to go into shock just like the caffeine you're going to be uncomfortable Nobody wants to go to school or work feeling like garbage. Mm -hmm. So if you can get out of your system over time, learn about nutrition, be aware of things, then that's that's the first big step that leads to huge changes. Small changes, big impact. Yeah. Another thing that people really struggle with is adding fruits and vegetables. Studies have actually shown that fruits and vegetables, especially vegetables, are the most uneaten foods, but they provide the biggest impact of nutritional benefits. So if you just make a small step, like by building just one of your meals around a specific fruit or vegetable, then you can sort of start forcing yourself to try new foods that incorporate veggies or experiment with them to, to go along with your tastes more in just like small steps, like adding fruit into your breakfast cereal in the morning or making a smoothie or just grilling up some green beans really fast for your dinner, that can have huge impacts, even though in the moment, it's just one really small, quick change. One of the biggest conceptions about America is that our breakfasts are like the worst thing for us. Our yeah. dinners can be okay, because at least, you know, you add some collard greens and some baked beans in there, but our breakfast is bacon, eggs, pancakes, and cereal. And I think avocado toast if you're from out west. Um, but it just it's centered around a lot of fat. Not that fat is bad. We'll get into that. But fat, sugar. Yeah, that's about it. Fat and sugar. Fat and Sodium. Sugar. Sodium. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, it's it's a big mess for breakfast, even though it's the most important meal of the day. Again, subjective, whether or not it's best meal of the day. 
regardless, some people like sweet for breakfast, some people like savory. Experiment with what you like. But, you know, if you don't like sweets, you don't have to have fruit for breakfast. It's not a requirement. You know, I, I my favorite thing to do is to have maybe some beans, which is weird. I know people make fun of the British for their beans on toast for breakfast, <laughs> but I my experience with fruit for breakfast is that it spikes my sugar way too high, and then I go to school, and I don't necessarily have time to eat lunch as early as I would like, so it spikes my sugar, and I'm exhausted and starving by lunchtime. So if you are able to get something super sustaining, like, I don't know, maybe even some steamed broccoli, a little, a couple spoonfuls of beans, anything with a little more protein, a little bit more fiber will get you through your day a lot better. If you find yourself dropping off by lunchtime or being exhausted by then, try to up your, uh, up your protein game for breakfast, protein and fiber. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is not being afraid to break the mold if that's what works for you. So if if you yep. want to have yep. chicken and broccoli and rice for breakfast, that's fine. If you want to have yeah. yes. <laughs> overnight oats <Sorry. laughs> and fruit for dinner, that's okay too. It's, it's what mm -hmm. works for you. Just make those little changes. They might be out of the mold, but that's okay. So the whole idea of this don't overcomplicate the plan thing is to do small things and to make sure that you're still aligning with healthy choices, but that you actually enjoy. So like, if you don't like blueberries, don't eat blueberries, eat raspberries or blackberry, you know, find, find something that still brings you joy and doesn't make a resolution a, uh, make sure it, it's not your downfall. Make sure it just, mm -hmm. you know, I don't like blueberries. So I was eating blueberries and now I no longer enjoy fruit. I've done that many times where I eat something just because it's good for me and then I burn out and don't want to eat anything good for me. Maybe that's yep. just me. But I don't know. From a psychological standpoint, it's just it becomes so overwhelming to do big things at once, mm -hmm. especially when the rest of your life is still moving around you. Even if those, even if the small steps are super small, like if you eat pizza every night, just add some veggies onto that pizza. Just that's the mm. first steps. Onions. Just, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just really like onions on pizza. Onions and mushrooms. <laughs> so good. Or if you don't like veggies on pizza, just have some veggies on the side. Mm -hmm. Anything you can do to just move yourself in the right direction, no matter how small yeah. those steps have to be for you personally. Yep, even if you have to ranch tape your broccoli to, to till it no longer looks like broccoli, you know. Yeah. I, I so, love there's, putting there's a line. I mean there's a line. <laughs> love putting like cheese, cheese and garlic on vegetables. If that's what you have to do to make it taste so good, good. I'm there with you. Oh, my favorite way to do it. I've been seeing a lot of people who are coming up with creative ways to hide vegetables from their kids. <laughs> We're all just old kids, okay? Blend your vegetables into pasta sauce. Yeah. Steam or boil some veggies. Steaming is almost always better. Sorry, I like steaming. Steam the veggies, put in a blender, pop open your can of sauce or make it however you roll, whatever you got time for, dump it in. Then you got it it doesn't really change the taste that much. Yeah. Or doing like, the same thing with salt soup. And olive oil. 
Oh, yeah. Freezer Soup dump is... soup. I love freezer dump yeah. soup. Oh, yeah. Need to get rid of that cabbage that's been sitting in there for 10 weeks because cabbage lasts way longer than it should in the fridge. Ew. Chuck it all in a soup. Add some chicken. No, it like, it sits. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. Doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't rot. I swear it's incapable, <laughs> incapable of rotting. All right, so with all this talk about nutrition, it is essential that tip number two is don't count your calories, do count your macros. Now, <laughs> there's a big conception in the health community or like the health trend community of low versus high calorie diet. And the common association is that low calorie is better for you. That's not always the case. Yeah, so calorie calories are a more broad generalization of the energy you're putting into your body, but that doesn't mean that the energy that you're putting in is quality energy. Protein, for example, is the main nutrient that causes satiation. So when enough protein is consumed, the body produces the full hormone called leptin. By manipulating your protein, you can change how you feel while consuming less calories. So basically, you can be eating 500 calories of meat, and that fills you up just as much as 2,000 calories of something else. Carbohydrates- Even vegetables. Yeah. Carbohydrates are important for feeling full, especially whole grains with high amounts of fiber. If you're eating a bunch of veggies, that might make you feel full, but you're not necessarily getting the energy that you need to function throughout the day. Calories are a measurement of energy, but that doesn't guarantee that it's quality energy that will give you the nutrients you need to get through your day. By counting macros, you're able to understand the types of energy that's going into your body and make sure that it's good quality energy at the correct ratios. Yeah, and just just for the general public, if you've never heard the term macros before, it's a percentage value in usually usually in grams of mm -hmm. fat, carbohydrates, and protein. So you can kind of get a good overall picture. So if you if you have my fitness pal, for example, and you put a food in, it will say um, this item is 500 calories. This meal you ate was 500 calories. That's great. That tells you how much energy you're getting. But if you count macros, you can have a picture of, okay, how much fat did I get in this meal? How many calories? Or I'm sorry, how many carbohydrates? And then how much protein? And it gives you, like Emma said, an overall picture of what that energy looks like. And then obviously, if you know what you ate, then you can kind of determine whether or not it was a high quality calorie. It's just a better picture. And it, I feel like it has less of a, you know, a number obsession possibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If that makes any sense. I think a good analogy is like, is driving a car. If you put in a certain amount of gas into your car, you'll go a certain distance but if you look for higher quality gas you can go further and your car stays at a better function i know i don't get premium like unleaded gas or whatever <laughs> but just for analogy's sake if you do do that to protect your car it is better for your car it'll cause you to go uh, get better mileage go further make your car last mm -hmm. longer makes you less likely to need maintenance too yeah Say, I mean, if you're not getting the analogy, it's the same with our bodies. What you put in is what you'll get out. <laughs> yeah.
you know, except for the cases of genetic genetic issues. It's what you put in is what you will get out. And that sucks because putting in good stuff usually means shelling out more money. If you put better quality stuff into your body, you're going to get a better quality of life. Mm-hmm. And that extra money that you're spending on your food will make it less likely that you'll be spending that money later in the hospital. You know, yeah. unless you were in a car accident. Wait, but that's our, our analogy. So if you're in a car accident, you're in the hospital. Because it's your body. Anyways. <laughs> Did you get that? It yeah. went, we went meta there for a second. <laughs> we're going to go a little bit more into detail about counting macros and how that can actually aid in better weight loss or weight management, weight gain than if you're just counting calories. So diets with protein contents that are above 15% have been actually been shown to lead to weight loss because the body feels full and stays full while also keeping calories low. So a lot of people try to give off the impression that if you lower your calorie intake, then you'll lose weight, which is true. That is true. But if you're not, if you're not making sure that it's quality calories that you're consuming, then it's not going to be sustainable. It's a lot yeah. more, there's a lot more flexibility in counting macros than there is in counting calories, especially when you focus on protein intake. So like when eating out, build your meal around lean protein like chicken or fish to help you stay full longer while also treating yourself to a meal out. Um, it's a lot easier than saying like, well, I want to get the mashed potatoes and the bread and the rolls and all this stuff. So I need to only eat half of this roll and and a third of my mashed potatoes. It's a lot easier to just build your meal around protein and the macros that you need mm. so that you don't feel like you have to limit your food intake. All right. Yeah, that, I, the first thing that came to mind when you mentioned rolls and mashed potatoes is unironically, Texas Roadhouse is a great option for this concept in general of higher protein plus the vegetables because you can get a six ounce steak two sides which are all majorly all vegetables for like 15 dollars which is a lot for eating actually it's not even that much for eating out i think if you go out you're expecting to pay about 20 dollars my go-to meal is the six ounce steak with either green beans Oh, no, with green beans and a sweet potato. Mm-hmm. That sounds so good. And it's amazing. And then I did, then the rolls is like my treat. It's so good. But the whole idea of, you know, when you go out, worry about your percentages, not your not the overall number, mm-hmm. goes into the point of don't get obsessed with your numbers because it will not do you any good. It won't do you any good to go out with friends and eat a fraction of what you actually want to eat just because you're chasing a number. Because yeah. in the grand scheme of things, it's that one day, unless it makes you spiral back into bad habits, it's not, you know. There's a huge societal obsession with the perceived association between weight loss and low calories, like we said, but it doesn't matter how low a calorie diet gets, the you will remain unhealthy regardless of your weight. Low quality calories in a low calorie diet will never make a person healthy. So if you're going to a restaurant and you eat your steak, 
and you eat your green beans and you eat your sweet potato, I don't see a I don't see a problem with that. Mm -hmm. Your macros, that's almost a perfect macro meal in my opinion. Plus a roll and you get some you get some carbohydrates and some joy from enjoying a roll. <laughs> yeah, that's the most important part. <laughs> I feel like the small changes healthy habits program that I talked about before is a really good understanding of this because they found an increase in healthy eating when the participants were taught basic cooking skills and grocery shopping and nutritional value of food. Those participants weren't asked to track their calories. They weren't even really taught about calories. They were taught about the tr nutritional value of mm -hmm. food. And that's what caused them to get into the healthy eating habits. And they probably lost weight as a byproduct, if anybody's wondering. If you're eating food that your body wants, it doesn't need to hold on to things. That's right. why your bo body holds on to things like salt, which retains water and causes water weight. You know, if your body doesn't have enough of something, it'll store it up. It's smart. It knows what it's doing. It will keep these things on you so it isn't in a complete deficit of that. Right. If you force, if you're doing a calorie deficit, like an extreme calorie deficit to lose weight, your body is just going to be forced into a state of what it thinks is starvation. It's going to be like, I'm not getting enough nutrients. I need to start storing fat and making sure that I, I hold on to things so that I don't die. It's not going to cause you to lose weight. And then the second you start eating again it'll just it'll just come back anyway right even if you even do if lose you're weight. eating yeah even if you lose that weight while essentially starving your body will take the food that you're consuming after that diet and it will do what it normally does that weight will come right back you would need to do a complete long-term starvation diet to maintain that phase and i don't think anybody really wants to be i know there are people that do but at what point does the weight that you have and your appearance outweigh your health. And I think that's right. that's the biggest societal problem with it. And we're going to talk about diets later, but mm -hmm. this gets, I think, the first one that pops into my head is is um, forcing your body into a state of ketosis. Ketosis. That yeah, is, I knew you were going That is there. a starvation, <laughs> uh, uh, your body going into starvation mode. It mm -hmm. is not going to cause you to lose weight unless you stay in ketosis, which is yeah. not good hormonally, no. uh, physically, neurologically. It is it's not good for your body. Yeah. So no, it's never made skeptical. sense to me. Yes. Be skeptical and yeah. look at the research and the research showcases yeah. that keeping yourself nutritionally balanced is the important thing. And one of the mm -hmm. easy ways to do that is macros, not cutting out all carbs and eating a bunch yeah. of butter yeah that, that's the biggest thing that i've seen is like maybe keto could be great if people didn't go and find all of the um all the products that just have the carbs stripped out of it but it's the same right. like a tortilla but with how do you how do they even make a low carb tortilla what does that even mean i don't like i don't understand that whole concept i think if I, especially vegetables like why why are we cutting out vegetables on an right, vegetables. Uh, just a little side note: <laughs> diets tend to not prioritize micronutrients at all, and mm. tracking macros yeah. is to prioritize micronutrients along with mm -hmm. it. Because if you need to get the right amount of carbs and you're prioritizing nutrients and the nutritional value of food, then you're going to eat 
vegetables and fruits and, and colorful foods that have lots of different good micronutrients. Yeah, that's yeah. I've never I don't think I've any, ever seen a single trending, specifically trending diet emphasize uh, micronutrients. Other than uh, well, we'll talk about this later, but the Mediterranean. Okay. Diet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The, the what? Oh, oh, yes. I meant, I meant like an actual diet fad. Yeah, yeah. Like the Mediterranean ones. diet was never really a fad. It yeah. was. It's also not really a diet, but we'll talk about that later. We it's, yeah, yeah. It's just the whole lifestyle versus diet. Yeah. And this this point kind of transitions into our next tip, which we'll get to in a second. But grocery shopping. You know, um, in the in the Healthy Habits program, it taught people how to grocery shop and do basic cooking skills, like Emma was talking about. But what a lot of people don't realize is that grocery shopping is probably one of the most important steps that you can make to track your macros. As you, I mean, it's the plan. Not everybody has time for meal prepping. I've tried it. And it worked okay, except I kept finding myself not in the mood for what I prepared three days ago. <laughs> like like I said, with the, the overnight oats, I would make it the night before and be like, yeah, this is a great idea. Pumpkin spice overnight oats. I was hyped for the idea. And then I wake up the next morning and I'm like, it's 7 a.m. I don't want mushy pumpkin sludge. So I started building my grocery list to have ingredients of things that I just really enjoyed. So I always have a cabbage in my fridge. I always have I I always go three vegetables, two fruits, and two protein sources. So I do chicken and beef just because it's economically priced. Um but yeah, take control of your grocery shopping. That's one of the easiest ways to track macros because you can actually see okay, I have this percentage of carbs in my basket. I have this percentage of fiber. I have this percentage of everything. You can you can keep track of it just by grocery shopping instead. So now that we've gone a little bit into, you know, some tips and tricks on what to do for your nutrition resolutions, let's look a little bit about it look a little bit into exercise. Tip number 3 is don't let exercising stress you out. Instead, do choose an activity based on what you enjoy that involves some form of movement and a current health picture. This just goes into the fact that not everybody wants to run to be healthier. This mm -hmm. seems like a super like duh kind of point, but if you're doing something just because you feel like you have to, you're not as likely to stick with it. If you don't like going to the gym, don't go to the gym. Go for walks. Find cool trails. You know, depending on where you live, there's kind of cool trails everywhere. Unless you're in like Ohio. <laughs> if you don't like structured classes then maybe try finding a local community center that has a soccer club or a volleyball team find some friends to walk with jog rock climb it literally does not matter as long as you're moving and your heart rate's up a little bit mm -hmm. yeah be creative because if you if you dread exercising every day you're not gonna do it and if you do do it then it's not going to be it's not going to be a healthy exercise you're going to be stressing yourself out you're going to be dreading it increasing cortisol levels overall it's just not going to be a good time for you or your hormones or your physiological neurophysiological functioning do something yeah, your balance that is, you look yeah. forward to every day 
it's it's crazy when you look at the connection between your mental thoughts and emotions and your actual physical outcomes Mm -hmm. it's it's so connected and a lot of people don't realize that just pushing through things isn't always the best choice right for people who have a little bit more of a complicated um mental health or like anxiety disorder any sort of depressive disorder it would probably be good to speak to your doctor because although in the long term exercise has been shown to decrease anxiety and stress and interestingly exercise in younger adults has possibly been shown to increase brain function there are also some studies that show that it can decrease things like neurogenesis which is what you need when you are struggling with some sort of mental disorder because a lot of the times they're neurodegenerative. So you need neurogenesis, which is just the creation of neurons. Um, so make sure that if you have a more complicated thing going on, you need to talk to your doctor about it because we're not doctors. Mm-hmm. And this is just general advice for an average person, not somebody with any sort of background or a different health history. Yeah, it's it's a super obs- not obscure topic, but nuanced topic. Like even even the top research right now is still new when it's considering the connection between a physiological thing and actual thoughts and desires and uh, neurological responses compared to hormonal responses. Like the the connections are understood, but the actual how they work and how they communicate is still being looked into. So especially on a person-to-person basis, it's a really difficult thing to understand, and even a doctor may not understand it fully. It's just a matter of knowing your desires, a basic concept of how these processes work in your body, and knowing the possibilities, weighing the risk in your own personal life, and deciding what's best for you with a little bit of guidance. Mm -hmm. And if you do notice anything going wrong, like you feel more tired, you are more depressed, you're more anxious after working out, immediately go see a doctor. Do not yeah. wait it out. Do not do anything like this because especially for women, exercise science is is very under-researched. So you might not be able to just find out what's going on by just a basic Google search. Mm-hmm. Be safe. And then even then you're going to find 10 different articles all saying different things. Right. It's it's oh it's a dumpster fire out there. <laughs> yeah. It's Especially so bad for and then exercise it, science. Yeah, and I mean with the prevalence of like media is great. I'm on the line of like the avenues that we have, the opportunities make it so that everybody can make their own choices decently well. But the internet is like I said a dumpster fire of information especially if you're getting it from sources like Instagram or TikTok, which I find myself so easily seeing things on there. And I'm like, it's neat. And then I find myself referencing it later on. I'm like, why did I just do that? Mm -hmm. That's so not, that's not, don't do that. Don't do that. It can, it can still be the most credible person in the world, but if they're just saying it, like even on this podcast, there's things that we will probably say that aren't premeditated, that are just hard to back up. Yeah. Moving on to tip number four. Don't become obsessed with one type of exercise. For example, cardio or yoga or weightlifting. 
do incorporate all types depending depending on your ability. This includes mental and physical because balance is always more ideal than obsessing over one thing. Yes. And to clarify, it's okay to have one specific type of exercise that you enjoy the most. So you focus on like weightlifting or a specific sport that you do, but making sure to incorporate other types of exercises and ways of moving your body is always, always important. There are benefits to strength training, there are benefits to mobility, and there are benefits to cardio. For example, strength training increases muscle mass, which increases your body's metabolism because your muscles need a lot more energy. So if you're looking for weight loss, adding in light strength training is actually really good along with cardio and more fat burning exercises. Strength training also increases bone density, leading to less issues in the future, such as osteoporosis and osteoarthritis. Just to throw this in there, osteoporosis is majority experienced by women. That is true. So if, you know, if if women are not, women traditionally have been the ones that are not doing strength training. So if you can, as a woman, do strength training, you will decrease your susceptibility to having brittle bones in the future. That's why you yeah. see so many older women having hip and knee replacements and such. There's been, I've seen cases where older women will just step out of bed and break a hip. You know, it just, it gets to a point where as a woman, this is a necessary thing to be adding into your, your routines. Mm -hmm. Especially because women have a harder time building muscle. So you have to focus on it a little bit more. Like a man who runs every day might have a, a better ability to gain muscle in his legs and to gain density in his bones than a woman who runs every day so it's it's just as if not more important for a woman to make sure she's also supplementing with strength training to give her muscles a little bit more of a push um, especially because yeah. this happens in both men and women but your body produces muscle up until around midlife that's so from like from like 15 to like 30, that's when you're producing the most muscle. But after that, your ability to produce muscle decreases a lot. And you, the way you lose muscle increases a lot, meaning that you will have a better quality of life for longer if you build more muscle earlier in life so that you have more to sort of build off of once you're older or else your muscle will all just decrease, which leaves your bones more um, exposed, your joints are holding more weight. Um, it's just overall better to make sure that your muscles are larger before you become older. Um, yeah, and this, this is one of those topics that there's plenty of research into yeah, as well. Yeah. So th this, this is, is I mean, not as much, yeah, the, not as much for women, obviously, right. just traditionally, but there is more now than there ever was. So this mm -hmm. this is something that you can you can look up and find, whereas the other stuff is more subjective. One thing that is a little bit more subjective and isn't as much research on is older people building muscle. So if mm. you're older, um, above like 50, make sure you speak to your doctor before beginning a strength training program, because there have been a few studies that seem to indicate that it can decrease neuronal density, like the your brain could shrink basically when strength training you should always always speak with a professional instructor or doctor 
similar to playing sports professionally. You don't want to do it without a coach. Um, even though strength training has been shown to be just as safe, if not more safe than other sports, it's still important to be careful. Treat it with a lot of respect. You don't have to be afraid of it, but treat it with respect. More research yeah, just don't is... Be, don't be reckless. Yeah, more research is, is definitely still needed to understand the magnitude of the benefits and the magnitude of the um, cons, especially in people where it's not as understood, like women and older people. But there, there are still very clear benefits as long as you're being mm -hmm. safe and speaking with your doctor if you're in a category that it's not quite as understood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it, it's just the, the general rule here is pick something you like, make sure you're not going nuts. Again, with the mm -hmm. small changes, like back to the small changes tip, <laughs> if you go and burn yourself out in a day, you're going to burn out or you're going to get hurt because your body's not used to it. So find yeah. something that's like a happy medium. Again, balance, is, balance seems to be the resounding theme in, in most of this. Yeah. And speaking of, of balance, um, make sure that with strength training, you're also including mobility because mobility has also been shown to have some serious benefits, especially as individuals get older, because it, it can help people move around in their environment with less difficulty. Um, it could give them better core strength. Um, it can give them more core stability, which if you're a weightlifter, that's really important. So overall, just making sure that along with things like cardio or weightlifting, you're increasing mobility as well and keeping your core really stable and making sure that your joints can move in the correct way with the most amount or the right amount of, of movement. Um, mm -hmm. So just making sure if, if weightlifting is your primary, make sure that mobility is your secondary and then cardio in there as well. And if mobility mm -hmm. is your primary, car cardio can help with that and strength training can help a lot too because if you're supporting the muscles that are supporting the joints then those joints can move more smoothly oh For, my goodness this whole yeah. concept is the exact same as macros yeah you just pick the outcome that you want and then you base your percentages off that and you'll get right better results through this yeah. So calories is just like picking one exercise and then macros is like balancing your exercises. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that. Sorry, this is and one of those things that was probably super obvious, but I thought was really <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I wasn't really thinking about that. So um, I feel like cardio is what people do. Like it's the most popular form of exercise. Um, and it's been shown to have like a myriad of benefits, very similar to strength training. Uh, it's been it's been linked with lower early mortality rates and actually runners live on average three years longer than non-runners. Um, we're Which not doesn't sure sound like a lot, but that's super significant, especially because it's an average. So like there could yeah. be runners that are yeah. living 10 years, 20 years more and then runners that are living the same amount as someone else. Right. So it doesn't matter what, you know, if there is if somebody's living one year longer or not at all, it's just obvious that there is great benefit from it. Yeah, because be what's it, what's it gonna do? Yeah, what's it gonna do is make you die the same age you were already gonna die anyways. You know, or maybe even live longer. Longer, yeah. Yeah. Um. Interestingly, it's been theorized that 
the reason they run longer is um due to a decrease like they, they're not really sure but like some of the theories are like a decrease in chronic diseases um insulin sensitivity because you're burning more and you're like helping your body sort of absorb nutrients Oh, better yeah. bone density obviously and then related to insulin blood glucose regulation Can I add something on the insulin and blood glucose regulation of course part? yeah My brother is a this is this is anecdotal of course. My brother is a a high school athlete, long distance runner. He trains I don't know. The boy got up and ran a marathon one day because he felt like it. He's he's your typical high school boy, but he works really hard at, at it. He's very fast. When he was being assessed for, you know, how to fix his diet with a with an integrative doctor, he was told not to worry about his sugar at all. Because he was exercising so much that his insulin was perfect, his glucose was perfect. But I know for a fact he goes to the store and eats lots of peanut butter M&Ms on a daily, maybe not daily basis, but on, on a frequent, frequent basis. But Mhm. <laughs> right. he's also doing, like, exercising can add so much quality to your life. You know, obviously not by itself, but even just by itself, it really, really does quite a bit for you in all those areas that she listed. Um, obviously, there does need to be more research, but we do know that overall, exercising, especially if you're incorporating all three, mobility, strength training, and cardio, is is good for you. It, it can lead to weight loss. It can lead to weight gain of muscle, decrease Mm -hmm. in fat, increase in muscle. It's just overall better for your brain, better for your body, better for your hormones. Mm -hmm. and it sounds really hard considering that that's three different types of activity all into one That sounds like it would be super stressful, but an easy fix to that is to just spend a little bit of time on each one instead of doing like a long weightlifting workout and then going for a long walk. If anything, just, you know, 15 minute walk in the morning or evening, do your normal weightlifting workout and then maybe add some weekend yoga or add like not even 10 minutes of yoga after after a weightlifting session. Just these smaller things to add. Again, small changes Yeah. to add to, to this. Don't make it overwhelming. Just diversify yourself. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Unless Yeah, your and career I think, literally depends on being yeah. as jacked as possible. So <laughs> If you're a fitness there's always influencer, exceptions. you probably shouldn't be watching our podcast anyway. <laughs> or if you No, are a fitness influencer, yeah. tag us on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clout seeking. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think we've sort of been focusing on if you're prioritizing weightlifting, because that's what both of us have been prioritizing for a long time. But if you're... If your primary one is is some sort of cardio, just like take a couple weights with you on your walk or your run and just Mm -hmm. lift Oh, them yeah. a little bit or do a couple squats right before um, and then Mm -hmm. do like a quick deload five minute stretch afterward. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great suggestion. I've actually I found those like ankle strap weights Yep. at a Goodwill. And they're pretty awesome because <laughs> I don't really enjoy walking, but I kind of like 
adding that into there. It just it just gives me this extra like challenge sort of mm-hmm. thing to it because walking just never felt productive to me if I wasn't walking to a certain place. I don't know. It just added another element of, you know, some kind of challenge to my body. Yeah. And if you're prioritizing yoga, which I think Parker is doing now, like mobility training. Yeah. <laughs> then just grab like three pound weights. And while you're doing your vinyasa, just like put those <laughs> up in the air. Yeah, <laughs> you can not, combine you can't really do anything. that with a vinyasa, but Irva has stopped. Is that what it's you actually lift called? your weights in Vastastana. the air. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just do a couple overhead presses. I mean, yeah, a you lot can of yoga anything to be what you like. Yeah, a lot of yoga does include both cardio and strength training, which I really like about mm-hmm. yoga because, like, they'll they'll have you like hold a plank, which is core strength training. They'll have you lower down halfway and hold um, a push up, which is strength training. Like all these things, lunges. So if you are looking for a really easy to way way to incorporate all three, just do a couple minutes of yoga a day. And that you will see the changes. Your muscles will become more toned. Your core will be more stable. You'll become more mobile. And your cardiovascular system will improve as well. One really great app that Parker and I use um, is called Down Dog. It's a yoga app. It also has bar, uh, hit, and meditation that goes along with your subscription. Like if you subscribe to Down Dog, you get all four yoga bar hit and are you're holding it up i'm uh, showing it off <laughs> sorry I was, I was holding it up to the camera yeah yoga bar hit and meditation um they, oh, they, have, student, pre, they have prenatal as well oh they which do which i saw so cool. they have prenatal yoga it's really really cool not that i need it but <laughs> but <laughs> if you're a student they have a three subscription for students if you put in your college or high school email so we we love down dog highly suggest Mm -hmm. it it does Mm -hmm. a really good job you can select what like your specific goals are but it does a really good job incorporating all of the goals like core stability great flexibility strength training if you're just using yoga and that's not even including the other apps so actually yeah i'm just using the yoga one and you can quite you can choose your They build the lessons for you, but you can specifically choose poses that you like the best, and they'll incorporate that more. Super easy. It's so nice. I don't have to worry about going on YouTube and finding a bajillion different users on there that have them. Mm -hmm. There's some great ones on YouTube, but it's that's just a harder place to find good ones. Yeah, this one's a solid place to start, and it's very very easy. Like it, it gets rid of all of the the difficulties of like finding a video, going, clicking on it, seeing if it's good, all this kind of stuff. Like it will curate it for you. It'll give you what you want. It's, it's just, it's perfect. If, if you're one of your new year's resolutions is getting more into shape and more in tune with your body, down dog, doing the hit and the yoga and the bar together is the perfect way to include cardio, mobility and strength. Yeah, actually that's all of them. And that's yeah. all, this is all at home too, really. Most of the time, all you really need is a mat or yeah. even just like a soft carpeted surface or something. I have my app here. I don't, okay. I have my app here and it 
quite literally just has a few options that you can customize. You can, the user interface is quite literally just what you want it to look like and then the time that you want to do it and you hit start and it just, it curates it for you. Takes overall, away all the hassle. So overall, both of us are huge fans of Down Dog, especially if you're utilizing all of their apps interfaces, you can get in mobility, strength training, and cardio. It's just, it's a fantastic way mm -hmm. to have all three at the tip of your fingers. And meditation for, mm -hmm. you know, any kind of spiritual, emotional aspects of things. And they even have prenatal. Who does, who does that? That's amazing. That's a yeah. great thing to have. We love. Go check them out. We, we're users. My, I got my dad on it. <laughs> and he's 50-something. Our fifth and final tip is don't get sucked into the world of diet trends. This is so mm. important. Instead, do find what works best for you individually based upon research and what supports the body's natural functions. Definitely. This is this is a big thing, especially now. As and by now, I mean in January. Because January is when all of the different businesses and such put out their um, January challenge or things that are like meant to be short term that can be good, but are often, like we said, they're often cold turkey and they're not always as beneficial as they might seem at first. Um, and a lot of people just end up they maybe benefit for a little bit. Like, I know sugar cleanses are a big thing, and I'm okay with those as, as long as they're not cutting out things like fruit. Mm -hmm. Actually, good sources of vitamins and such, especially for younger people. There has not been a huge distinction when it comes to studies on diet trends on how it affects each group of people. So, like, yes. women, children. It's It's almost impossible to do it because, I mean... Your ethnicity even plays a role into how you respond to certain things. It's it, there's too many nuances for, you know, for there to be enough research to be completely honest. But I guess that's really the biggest thing to keep in mind when you're being presented with some kind of anything online, really anything that somebody is selling to you. Mm -hmm. If somebody is benefiting from it other than yourself, just take it with a grain of salt, just a little bit. A little yeah. grain of Himalayan salt in your water. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was stupid. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the biggest, most important things we can tell people to do is be curious, but stay critical. Mm -hmm. You can look into this diet trend, but but be critical. Be skeptical. Mm -hmm. Look into the research behind these things and and talk to your doctor. If you really yeah. want to start a diet. Mm -hmm. Another theme with this is it's amazing to help yourself, mm -hmm. but you kind of need a guide. If you can afford a guide, get the guide. Yep. You can't, I mean, nobody hands you a instruction book for life, which is things, <laughs> I feel like every mother has said that to their child at some point yeah. <laughs> when it comes to raising kids, but it's the same, it's the same with diet. You're going to make mistakes and you're going to, you know, get pulled into something that seems really good and ends up kind of messing with you. So, I mean, don't feel bad if you do end up following a fad. I've done it. 
I mean, I'm I've sure everybody I know everybody. has done it. Yeah. yeah. Everybody has. It's just something, once you're aware of it, it's harder to get sucked into it. Yeah. If you're following what you know you've tried and you know what's good for you, it's you're a lot better off that way. I know that sounds really unprofessional to say, but there is no set criteria mm-hmm. for diets. There's There's set things that will harm you, but there's not one set way in which it will harm you, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I feel like a really good example of that is even even in diets that that seem like they're research-based, like plant-based diets, that's not always the best for Mm-mm. what your activity level is. Or like if you if you're not working out like the weight training and you're not running that often and you're not doing all these things, you might be okay with a plant-based diet. But if you're mm-hmm. not, then you need animal protein. You need those amino acids. It's a lot harder to find those amino acids in in plant-based protein. Yeah. There are ways so, to do it. It's just a right. lot harder. Like yeah. if it's for a religious or moral standpoint, because I know a lot of people who are vegan from a moral yeah. ecological perspective or environmental perspective totally okay yeah yeah we're not we're not dissing on anybody there's nothing wrong with just saying it's a lot easier for the common busy stressed out person to include meat in their meals right because otherwise i mean the i was i was vegan for most of my life because of family choices and it was amazing for them at the time um due to, to some health issues and such but i there, there require it required a lot of planning. So, like, mm-hmm. yes, if it, if we were to have tracked macros at that time, it it would have been actually probably more stressful to track it than to not. Yeah, you still should if yeah. you're doing plant based, but having to meet those numbers with things like lentils, lentils are amazing. I would recommend lentils with like every dinner if I could, um, because they're high in protein and fiber and carbs. And you can add olive oil to it and you got fats. It's so, so great. Sorry, tangent. Anyways, it's harder to get the good protein levels for an active person from from plants. It's just harder. I'm not saying it's impossible. It's possible and it might be great for someone, but it's hard. That's it. Planning isn't for everybody either. So I think it's safer for a lot of people just to turn to an animal-based diet. Or not yeah. animal-based, but animal-inclusive diet. Yeah. Especially if they're ethically raised and ethically slaughtered, which sounds like an oxymoron, but y'all know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Raised with love and killed with love, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Okay, moving on. And if if there ever is, like, if you if you do have to be on a plant-based diet for... Um, nutritional reasons, for physiological reasons, for ethical, religious reasons, it's also okay to supplement. Like, I know some people are are against supplementation, but if that's what you need, it's if that's what your body needs, if you need protein Mm -hmm. and you cannot get it from your diet, it's okay to have a protein shake every now and then. That's, it's okay. Oh yeah. I really like protein shakes. I just don't like the ultra weird process whey protein things like in those ginormous jugs i don't know they smell like chemicals to me they smell nasty 
The whole problem with New Year's resolutions is that they don't last. They might be really, really good for someone, but the sudden onset is really what burns somebody out. And it's always, it's almost always easy to latch on to these trends because they're designed and marketed to be attention grabbing. They, I mean, somebody who wants to change themselves, we're gonna, I'm gonna use the example of losing weight because that's seems to be the number one thing that you hear people saying. They know that these people want to lose weight at this time. That's why you see the ball drop in New York is sponsored by Planet Fitness. You know, things mm-hmm. like that. It's somebody's making money off of this. And they're paying money to experts in marketing and design. And that's why it's so easy to fall into it. I mean, you, you'll be better off learning about nutrition and what your body and the body in general needs to function and building from there instead. Because almost anything to extremes, besides in the case of, like, correction, you know, in, like, kidney failure, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're killing your kidneys to the point where you're actually going to die from it, then, yeah, extremes, I get it. But extremes in these kind of cases where you're fine, you're not dying, but it's not good for you, it'll end up doing more harm than good. Yeah, I feel like the big thing is you're looking for a lifestyle change. You're not looking for a quick fix because that's not going to work. Look for a lifestyle change. Look for, look if you need something that's more structured, look for a diet like the Mediterranean diet where it's just trying to incorporate lean meats and fish and whole grains vegetables fruits basically just just find something that you can sustain through the rest of your life mm-hmm. that's that's the goal the goal is to be and a healthy how to person make it for the rest good. of your life yeah and experiment how to make find ways to make it taste good mm-hmm. yeah i mean come on i like tofu but I hear a lot of people saying, ew, tofu, it's bland, it's watery, it's gross, which, yeah, <laughs> but that's only if you don't know how to cook it. I hate eggplant, but I like how they make eggplant over in Italy. Mm-hmm. It, ju- it literally just depends on how you prepare things. I think you can like anything if it's prepared properly. Yep, I agree. Try, st- try stuff out. Try stuff try out. Try new things. It's, it's, yeah. Try new things so that you can sustain a healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. The the end all be all to this is learn, experiment, and grow from that learning and the ex- experimentation. Yep. Yeah. If you're gathering information from these studies that we have listed, all of them will have it somewhere. <laughs> Most likely in the in the uh, the video description or on or sorry, the audio description on Spotify or on our Instagram page. All of these studies and stuff is just a culmination of the research that's available. But unfortunately, it is up to the individual to figure out what's best. We can suggest things like our dinner nachos, our nutritious (laughs) dinner nachos, um, and the Mediterranean diet, which focuses on lifestyle instead of a trend. We can do all that, but it still may not help. And I know that sucks to hear, but it's going to take an experimentation. But these mm-hmm. these suggestions are based off of research. I do want to assure you of that. They're based off of personal experience as well. If you, like most people, are looking to make New Year's resolutions, look to change your life 
not just your year. Thank you everyone for tuning in. We had so much fun creating this episode and we hope you enjoy it as much as we do. If you'd like to learn more, follow us on Instagram at studentsparks.ep where we'll post all kinds of information and episode updates. Don't forget to check in every other week to learn more about what it is like to be a student of neuroscience and naturopathy.